So these are three things I think that you and I need to take into consideration from these verses of Scripture. Isaiah 59, 19 tells us, So shall they fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. When the enemy shall come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord shall lift up a standard against him. We've got to realize that. We've got to understand that. We've got to know that in our life today. We've got to believe that God cares about us. We've got to believe that he loves us and that he wants to provide for us and take care of us. And when the enemy begins to attack his children, he doesn't like it. And if we're walking with him in the light where we should be walking, then he is going to be present in all his power and all of his glory to see to it that the enemy cannot defeat us. Praise the name of the Lord. He will raise up a standard against him. I don't know what it will be, but it will be good because God is a good God. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. It also tells us in Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon that is formed against thee shall prosper. Oh, can you believe that this morning, church? No weapon that's formed against you will prosper against you. Praise the name of the Lord. And every tongue that will rise against thee in judgment, thou shalt condemn. You'll put them down. You will put them down in the name of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. And their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's your inheritance. That's what the new covenant is all about. God providing for you. God taking care of you. God watching over you. You totally and completely trusting in him. Allowing him to do what needs to be done at the time the situation comes up. Not to lean to your understanding. God says, come, let us reason together. If you're going to do any reasoning this morning... Get in touch with God and reason with Him because He has the answer. He's the only one that does have the answer. Amen? Only through Him, by Him, are we going to make it. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. I believe, you know, when it says here that David encouraged himself in the Lord, I believe that they're talking about two things. First of all, he remembers. He remembers in this situation, he remembers the things that God has already done for him. Let me tell you something. If you'll begin to remember the things that God has done for you, it will lift your spirit every time. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You can't help it. If you think back to where you were when you came to that altar and said, Lord Jesus, come into my life and save my soul, then you will know beyond a shadow of a doubt, praise God, that he loves you and that he cares for you. Amen? You don't need anything else really to remember. If you don't have anything else to remember, just the fact that he saved you, that he redeemed you, that he brought you out from where you were. 
I run out of that grave, hallelujah. I came out running, praise the name of the Lord. And that's really almost the truth. Because when I got up from the altar over there that the Methodist church, I was there for a while. I had several people around me praying, and I kept telling them, don't quit now, I ain't got it. <laughs> I ain't got it. But I finally got it. I come up out of there, turned around. My brother had got saved the night before. I grabbed him, lifted him off the floor, and began to move around all over the church. And the evangelist finally said, well, you know, if we run this fellow down, well, we'll congratulate him for becoming a, a member of the family of God. I mean, I was running. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Because I know, knew what he had delivered me from. I knew what he had done. Praise the name of the Lord. And I remember two or three weeks later, I was sitting in the bathtub at home. Well, this might not be a good story, but I'm going to tell it anyway. <laughs> Glory to God, hallelujah, sitting in the bathroom, taking a bath. Didn't have no shower in the house at that time. Just taking a bath in old dirty water. Done wash yourself and got, you know, you're sitting in dirty water. <laughs> but praise the name of the Lord. Catherine came into the bathroom for something. I don't know what she wanted. I said, he's here. <laughs> she said, who's here? <laughs> I said, Jesus is here. <laughs> I said, I just feel like getting up out of this tub and running up down to uh, Maryland Avenue out there naked as a jaybird, shouting, glory to God, hallelujah, he's here. Praise the name of the Lord. I have something to shout about. And I believe that's one of the things that, uh, that uh, David did. It's just remember what God, how he delivered him from, the, li from the, li uh, the lion and the bear and how he took care of Goliath for him. Sometimes we just need to remember what God has done for us. The nation of Israel forgotten in three days what God had done for them. He delivered them. He brought them out of Egypt. He brought them through the Red Sea. And three days later, they needed a drink of water, and they just moaned and groaned all day long. Three days later, he parted the Red Sea. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't like, a, you know, a, a little mud puddle or something. He parted the Red Sea, and they forgot about it. Praise the name of the Lord. We need to remember every now and then. But then I think more than anything, David began to worship God. He began to worship God. I believe that this is one of the ways that he encouraged himself in the Lord. We know from Isaiah 61, verses 1 through 3, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn, to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty of ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called trees, that they might be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. I believe that David just simply believed that God was with him no matter what was going on and no matter what was happening. 
The Bible also tells us in Isaiah 53, 4, that he bore our griefs and he bore our sorrows. They wept until they couldn't weep anymore. There wasn't anything left in them to weep. But they finally came to the realization that Jesus loved them, that God was with them, and that he had, that he had borne their griefs. He had borne their sorrows. We're not supposed to carry our cares around with us. How many of you know that this morning? We're told in the word of God to cast all of our care on him because he cares for us. We're sheep. We are the sheep of his pasture. Amen? Sheep are not burden-bearing animals. If you're going to go for a hike or something in the, in the Alps or someplace, you've got to take a few things with you. You don't go looking for a sheep to carry stuff for you. You look for a, you know, a mule or a horse or something like that. We are not supposed to carry burdens. We can lighten the load if we will cast all of our care upon him because he cares for us. God loves us. Amen. Worshiping and praising him brings forth his manifested presence. What do you mean by his manifested presence? Well, God is omnipresent. He's always around, everywhere, all the time. But his manifest presence means that God is with you. He's right there at your side. And as you learn to praise, and it's not just something you do on Sunday morning. It's not just something that you sing just because it's time to sing. It's not because it's some time for you to lift up holy hands unto the Lord. Worshiping and praising God is something that we ought to be doing every day. Every day of our life, we should be worshiping and praising God. Right. We should be giving him thanks for all that he's done for us. Thank him that you've been redeemed. Thank him that you've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Yeah. Thank him for his almightiness and his protection over you. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. The, but the manifest the blessings of God, manifold presence of God means that he's right there ready at that time to move in a mighty and a powerful way. Second Chronicles 20, 22 tells us, and when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Praise the name of the Lord. Here was Jehoshaphat with an army, you know, the, the, I mean, coming against him, and he didn't have a chance. He was defeated. That's all there was to it. That's a fact. In the natural, there was no way he could win the war, but God gave him a solution to the problem. Right. Oh, glory to God. He said, put Greg Boggs up there and let him gargle a couple times and see what happens. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. And when they did that, when they went out and the praise and worship team was in front of them, praise the name of the Lord, the Bible says God sent, set ambushes. They didn't do it. The battle wasn't theirs, the battle was the Lord's. Amen. Amen. They had turned it, Jehoshaphat had turned it over to him. And God took care of the situation. 
And I believe that as, as, as uh, David sat there, you know, David was a worshiper. And probably some of the psalms that he wrote, or maybe he might have wrote one while he was sitting here in this situation. He may have been thinking about Psalm 23. He said, in the presence of mine enemies, he had set a table for me. Glory to God, hallelujah. Something good's going to happen because God is setting a table for me. Glory to God, hallelujah. We've We've got to believe that. We've got to think that way. Generally speaking, we think negatively right off of the bat. But we need to begin to think positively. And when I mean positively, we need to think according to the word of God. If God says it can happen, it can happen. And if we believe, it will happen. Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. Paul and Silas. When they were in prison, thrown in prison for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ, they didn't moan and groan and carry on. The Bible tells us that they began to sing and praise the Lord. And not only did they sing, they sang loud enough for the rest of the prisoners to listen and hear them. Guess what happened? Oh, I'll tell you what happened. There was a shake, rattle, and rolling. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And the, the building shook. Oh, glory to God, people. we got to believe, you know, as they praise God, as they worship God in the midst of the trial and the tribulation that they were in, God and his manifest presence showed up and delivered them. Glory to God. The chains just simply fell off from them. The guards didn't turn them loose. Oh, Hallelujah. Praise the name of the Lord. The church at Antioch. Acts 13, verses 1 through 3. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers, as Barnabas and Simeon, that was called Niger, and Lucas of Cyrene, and Manan, which had been brought up Herod, the Tetrarch, and Saul, as they ministered to the Lord. Notice those words, as they ministered to the Lord. I believe that they were praising and worshiping God. A priest, we've been made priests unto God. Amen? And a priest ministers. And the best way that we can minister to God is to praise and to worship Him. But as they, as they, as they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, hello. No, that's not what he said. I just said hello to you. But he spoke to them. You see, when we get into the presence of God, the manifold presence of God, he'll speak to us. I know there's a lot of people today that don't believe God speaks. But they can't tell me that because I know better. Because he spoke to me twice. As far as I'm concerned, those two times were audible. But I'm not going to argue with anybody if they don't believe me. 
But I'll tell you one thing, they sure were strong in the Holy Ghost if they weren't audible from him. But God speaks today. And if we'll praise and worship him in the midst of what's going on around us, he will speak to us. He will bring peace to our heart. He will bring joy to our soul. And we know that in the presence of the Lord is the fullness of joy. Amen? Don talked about that joy last week or week before last in the sermons that he delivered. You want peace? You want joy? Then get into the presence of God. And in his manifold presence, he will minister to you. Why? Because you minister to him. That's the way God, that's the way he set it up. You do and you will. Again, you give, you'll receive. You minister, you'll be ministered unto. That's how God operates. And we've got to learn to do that. The title of this message, I didn't tell you before I started, is what to do. So I ask you, what to do? Praise and worship God. Amen? Amen. Next, we need to seek him in prayer for the best way to handle the situation. Don't try to do it on our own. We have problems, we have troubles, things come against us. We check with everybody, including the janitor at work, as to what we ought to do. Oh, this has been going on. This is going on. What, do you, what would you do? What we should be doing is seeking God. Amen. What we should be doing is coming into his presence, praising and worshiping him, and then asking him. Right. Asking him what we should do. David told the priest there, in the scripture, give me the ephod, give me the praying uh, cloth. I want, to, I want to get in touch with God. I want to talk to him. I want to see what he's got to say about this situation. I want to know his solution to this problem. I don't want to know all you, you know, ragtag uh, army that I got and, and 200 of them. The Bible says didn't even go all the way with them because they was wore out. They was too tired. He said, I want to know what God has to say about this. It is the Father's will to give us everything we need in life. Everything. Luke 12.32 says, Fear not, little flock. (laughs) Fear not. Isn't that great? Fear not, little flock. We're his flock. We're his sheep. Fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure, good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Oh, hallelujah to the Lord. He's willing to give you the whole kingdom. Philippians 4.19 says, For my God will supply all. A-L-L and in the Thomas Dictionary, that means all. He will supply all of your needs from his riches in glory in and through and by Jesus Christ. You don't have to worry about it. 
Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. What things? Well, he tells us that there are what things, you know, what things that the, that the Greeks uh, solicited after and worked for, slaved for, spent more time there than they would in his presence. He'd just add them to you. You can't outrun God. Praise the name of the Lord this morning, church. Why will he do that? Because he delights in us. Did you know that? Did you know that? Proverbs 8.30 says, Then I was by him as one brought up with him, and I was daily his delight. Oh, hallelujah. Daily you are his delight. Rejoicing always, or worshiping always before him. And then 15.8 says, The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. God wants to hear from you. Amen? Amen? Amen. God wants to talk to you. We, we talk about it here at the church all the time. In, in sermons it comes out all the time. It is a relationship. That we talk about having a relationship with Jesus Christ. Well, let me tell you something, baby. You can't have a relationship if he won't talk to you. I can't have a relationship with Pastor Don or with Kevin if they won't talk to me. They can't have a relationship with me if I won't talk to them. They might like me or they might hate me. I don't know, praise the name of the Lord, but I can't have a relationship with them unless I talk to them. I don't know why people, you know, think that God has just dried up and quit talking to his people. (laughs) Really? What kind of relationship is that? If he won't talk to me, then I don't have a relationship with him. Amen? He delights. He delights in us. When we pray, he delights in this. He says, oh, look at here. Look at here. He's been running around all day doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Not giving one thought to me, but all of a sudden, oh, my goodness, he wants to talk to me. I'm going to listen to that fella because I want to talk to him. But I haven't been able to run him down. See, basically what we do, we get up in the morning and we give God our to-do list. God, you do this. God, you do that. God, you go here. God, you go there. You do this. You do that. And then we jump up and run. We head for the office. God just would like for us sometime or other, just sit down and talk to him. (laughs) Hallelujah. Just speak to him. You know, he he delights in that. But we have to understand that prayer is asking and receiving. Amen? Amen. There's no need to pray if you don't think you're going to get an answer. I don't know what the people, you know, I read the book of Acts, I I don't know what the church was praying for for Peter. I really don't. He was a hair and put him in jail. 
And the Bible says that they were praying for him. I think they were praying for him. Yes, be with him, you know, Lord, give him your grace and everything. But evidently no one was praying, get him out of there. Because when he come knocking on the door, when the angel kind of delivered him, he knocked on the door, Rhoda didn't even answer. I mean, she just looked, heard his voice. She didn't even open the door for him. She went and told the church, there's a prayer and said, Peter's at the door. Oh, I don't want Peter running on the door. That must be his angel. That must be his spirit or something. What were they praying for? <laughs> Did any of them pray? Evidently somebody in the prayer asked God to deliver him because God did. Either that or God just did it miraculously. But they didn't believe. You've got to believe when you pray. Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. Now, you, I know that we have trouble sometimes interpreting the Bible. Amen? But let me ask you, what is there to interpret there? Jesus said, ask and you shall receive. No explanation needed. No interpretation needed. It's just a flat, flat out statement. Amen. James and, uh, and Don Carson says that's why James is in the Bible. Every time you kind of say something or other, you know, he'll say that's why James is in the Bible. <laughs> James tells us we have not because we ask not. When I was kind of growing up in church, I, you know, I wasn't a Christian, but I went to Sunday school every Sunday. I was there. But they talked like you weren't supposed to ask anything for personal for yourself. I'm going to tell you something this morning, baby. If you're not praying for yourself, you better get started because there may not be anybody else praying for you. Amen? God says, I know what you need before you ask, but I want you to ask me. Why does he want us to ask him? So that we can allow him to enter in to the situation and solve the problem for us. He's not going to force himself in for anything. But when we in prayer ask him to come in, then he'll come in and he'll do what needs to be done if we trust him and believe him and work the situation out. Amen. Amen. We're also told that uh, we ask to consume it upon our lusts. Mark's gospel tells us when we pray, believe we receive it. Get these steps in order. In your prayer life, get them in order. When you pray, he didn't say if you pray. Amen? He said, when you pray, believe that you receive and you shall have it. Our problem is we don't believe we have it until we got it. Amen? If we don't have it, we don't believe it. We're not exercising faith. We ask God, if we ask according to his will, then we've got it. If we believe. 
If we believe, when you come to the altar, if you come and you have a problem, you give it, cast all your care on Jesus, you cast it on him, then you believe that you've taken care of the situation. It may not look like you have, may not feel like you have, but praise God, you've given it over to Jesus, then it's done. James, once again, tells us to ask without doubting. If we doubt, we are a double-minded man, and therefore we will not receive anything. Oh, praise the name of the Lord. John's gospel tells us, I'll get there, you just be patient. The 14th chapter of John, we're told, Verses 13 and 14. And whatsoever you shall ask in my name, that will I do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you shall ask anything in my name, I will do it. uh, uh, Chapter 25, uh, I'll get it here in a minute. And and in chapter 15, I think it is, verse 16, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Does that sound like God doesn't want to answer your prayer? Huh? In 16, 23 and 24, And in that day you shall ask me nothing. Verily, verily, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Hitherto have you asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive, that your joy may be full. Yeah. Amen. Amen? Yeah. Praise the name of the Lord. Why would Jesus say these things if they're not true? He is our example, right? And he said at at the raising of Lazarus, at Lazarus' tomb, he said, I thank you, Father, that you have heard me and that you always answer me. Why would he say that? Well, he gives us the answer in John 15, 7. If you abide in me, (laughs) if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, oh, hallelujah, ask what you will, and it'll be done unto you. Why would he say that? Because he was one with the Father. He didn't do anything that he didn't see his father do. He didn't say anything that he didn't hear his father say. And because he says here that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, if we are doing that, then our will is to please God. And what we're asking for will be our will. In the sense of the word, whatsoever we ask for, God will do it. 
Why? Because you're abiding in him and his words are abiding in you. Amen? That's what, that's what he prayed, really, in the 17th chapter of the Gospel of John. He said, I'm one with the Father. They'll be one with me and you. We're to be one with the Father. We're to be one with the Son. We're to be one with the Holy Ghost of God. And if we're walking as we should walk and doing what we should be doing, then praise the name of the Lord. He will give us the desires of our heart. And I believe that that means he'll put in our heart what we need to desire. A lot of people think that that's a verse of Scripture that, you know, God's going to give us anything that, you know, that we desire. No, no. If you're abiding in him and his words abiding in you, if you're living in him and he is living in you because he's the word, then you, your will will be his will. Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. Glory to God. He says in 1 John 5, 14 and 15, And this is the confidence. Listen to me, church. This is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you get that? And if we know, and that's K-N-O-W, not N-O. And if we know that he hears us, just like Jesus said at at the tomb, I thank you that you hear me, you always hear me. Whatsoever we ask, we know that we have, oh, glory to God, we got it. Oh, we got it. <laughs> we have the petition that we desired of him. Does that mean it's laid out on the table right then? No. But we have it. God is going to go to work and bring it forth. And Hebrews tells us patience and faith brings the promise. Patience and faith brings the promise. But the thing of it is, we need to believe that we have it. When are we going to have it? I can't always tell you when you're going to have it, but I can tell you if you believe God and you pray it according to his will, you will get it. Because that's his promise. His promises, as John said last week, is yea and amen. There's no nose in there if you're praying according to his will. And if you're abiding in him and his words abide in you, then you'll pray according to his will. Right. Amen? Amen? Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm going to close this down about 3 o'clock. <laughs> Isaiah 59 verse 2 says this. And if you've never heard this verse of scripture, or maybe you've heard it, but you might want to read it nug again. It's Isaiah 59, verse 2. And it would be a good thing for you to read it every now and then. All of us. But your iniquities has separated between you and your God. 
and your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. If you have any sin in your life, it's time to get it straightened out. God loves you. And the Bible says that if you'll confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. If he cleanses you from all unrighteousness, then you flip the coin over, you must be righteous. Amen? If you're clean on this side of unrighteousness, then, you, you know, you've got to be righteous on this side. Amen? What to do? Pray. And then the next thing that we need to do is obey. You can pray all day. You can worship all day. But if you don't obey, it's not going to happen. Amen. Amen? Going back to Jehoshaphat, he, God told them what to do. He said, put your praise and worship team in front and go out. That's, that's, that's not a real <laughs> promising situation, is it? You're facing an army that you don't stand a chance to defeat. And God tells you, get your praise team in order. <laughs> Let them yodel a couple. Oh, hallelujah. And it says whenever they did that, when they did that, God sent an ambush. And they fought against each other. Amen. Glory to God. We have to obey. The prophet Samuel told King Saul, obedience is better than sacrifice. What did he mean by that? Well, King Saul was supposed to go out and, and kill everybody. I mean, you know, slaughter them all. But he, he saved some of the sheep. And he saved the, even saved the king and brought them back. He tried to blame it on the people. And funny how we put the blame someplace else but on ourselves. And so he lost his kingship to David simply because he disobeyed God and not doing what he was told to do. The Bible tells us in Thessalonians, in everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. In everything, not for everything, in the midst of whatever's going on around you, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it seems like, God is still in control. It's not what you see. It's not what you feel. It's what the Word of God says. So many people are looking for the will of God. I'd like to know what the will of God is in my life. If you're here this morning and you're looking for the will of God, in everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If you don't do anything else, give thanks. Maybe, you, maybe you're right. You can't go out and witness 
although I don't believe that because God wouldn't tell you to do it if you could, couldn't do it. But maybe that's what you believe, and if that's what you believe, that's what you're going to act on. But right here is in everything, whatever's going on, whatever's happening in your life, whatever's not what you feel, not what you see, and just begin to give God thanks for this is his will for you and Christ Jesus. Let us pray. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you and we praise you that it's truth. We thank you and we praise you, O Lord, that the word works. If we work the word. I ask you this morning, Lord, once again, to come in the person and power of the Holy Spirit. Speak to the hearts of those that are present. Let them know that you love them. And let them know that you're just simply waiting for them to come, to sit down and talk to you. Minister, and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen.